Get in the cart. Right at us. The best in the business, Roger Cleveland. Can't wait to get back to Chicago in this one. This is Party of Four, a Mistwood Golf Club podcast. Welcome to the Party of Four podcast from the shores of Lake Michigan, an international showdown between the United States and Europe. Whistling Straits, the canvas for the 43rd edition of the Ryder Cup. Drama, cheers, and tears. The USA with a 19-9 dominating win. I'm Ben Hutchison alongside Andy Michelson. You watched some golf this weekend. Where are we at? Feels like we're in our office. We are. We're oh, just trying to make it okay. more dramatic Sorry. than it actually is. Okay. What was the question? <laughs> How did you enjoy that golf tournament? Oh, my God. It was awesome. Uh, the Just the quality of golf throughout the week. I'm one of those guys, you know, yeah, great, USA won. I just want to see great golf, and we saw great golf all the way through. There was really no slouches. I mean, Ray McIlroy didn't play his best the first couple of days, but, man, he, he poured it on the last round. So, I mean, it's it just great golf all around. That's what I love about the uh, about watching the Ryder Cup is is seeing great golf, regardless of which side it is. I mean, I'm supposed to root against John Rahm. I love John Rahm. I love watching John Rahm play. So I'm going to root against him for three days. Why? I just want to see great golf shots. And you see all the biggest names in golf. The U.S. had the top 21 players in the world as far as that was the worst ranking amongst the team, the European team a little bit older. How did you think this was going to play out ahead of time? It was it was kind of who knows, but, I mean, the the, the home, home team advantage uh, is definitely manifesting itself the last four or five Ryder Cups. And this golf course – is is honestly perfect for the team. Once I saw some of the kind of pregame stuff leading into it, they're talking about the rough heights were, you know, two inches, so all of our bombers could kind of hit it wherever they want to. They can uh, have ample opportunities to make make a ton of birdies. If you look at also along with the world rankings, um, that the the USA is better than uh, the Europeans. Also look at the uh, their their birdie percentages per round is also right up there. Um, you know, guy like yesterday they were talking about Scheffler and, and going against Rom. You've got John Rom who's number one in the world in birdies, and you've got Scheffler who's number seven in the world in birdies. So, I mean, it's going to be a good match, especially on a golf course that's gettable like that. It's it's going to be a good match. So it wasn't, it wasn't that big of a shock or that big of a surprise. We talked about the advantage of playing on your home country. And it was fun because the European team, they tried to earn some of the respect of the Wisconsinites with the cheeseheads at the beginning because they couldn't sign autographs this week, this past week. So they wore the cheeseheads, they signed them, and they threw them into the crowd. That was pretty cool. I mean, there's a lot of gamesmanship, both sides. And I think incorporating the fans who were just amazing the entire week, the entire weekend, that was just fun to see the reactions, the random star-spangled banners coming out, the chants of USA. It's an unreal golf event. I mean, really, that's a Chicago North golf crowd, right? I mean, it's the same golf crowd that was at Medina for the most part. Um, when I would go through my Facebook feed, it seemed like I was the only person not there Me on too. Saturday and Sunday. Um, so it was a very similar golf crowd to what we had in 2012. Obviously, less Europeans because of the travel uh, restrictions. Uh, I only heard a few bad things when the spotted cow kicked in about 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon a couple of times. The only one I really didn't like was somebody yelled as Wiesberger was hitting a putt. I think it was Friday night. Really hated that. But um, other than that, it's a great golf crowd. I mean, you've got some world-class golf courses up in that area as it is. So people are used to going up to those destinations for great golf. And, uh, 
man, it, it, it really showed, uh, showed as a beautiful, beautiful piece of American Lynx, that's for sure. And I've been up there uh, for the most recent major. It is an amazing course. I know you played it a long time ago. But the only negative thing I heard was because there's so many few groups, it kind of gets tough to follow them because there's so many people packed into a small area. And then all, with all the hills and undulations of the ground there, you can't see everything. But at the same point, I mean, I would think I, I went to the Medina uh, Ryder Cup uh, during the practice rounds in 2012, and I thought it was kind of a nightmare there because they didn't that, – that course isn't made with kind of natural grandstands. When you look at um, all of the par threes in some fashion have hills coming off of them uh, at Whistling Straight, so it kind of makes for a natural grandstand. There's uh, the par five – uh, 16th is a great hole to watch golf. I remember watching the PGA there um, way back when, I think it was 2010, uh, I went, went and saw the, the PGA there. Um, there's kind of some natural grandstand areas. There's also some areas that are very, <laughs> very severe, like you saw Shane Lowry wiped out on that hill just going down. There's, there's those spots all over the place. But I think for viewing, I would love to see Whistling Straits be a regular spot for the Ryder Cup. I think it's awesome for for Ryder Cups to to come in the future. I did hear that, but then you'd still have to switch off the every two years with somewhere in Europe, but just always go back to Whistling Straits? I would I would have it be more consistent in the rotation, yeah. I mean, it, it obviously fares well for the style of play that uh, guys are used to playing over here in the States. I mean, it might look like Lynx. There's nothing Lynx about it besides the fact that it's next to Lake, next to Lake Michigan, so it kind of looks like Lynx, but it's bent grass. Uh, it's relatively soft up in the up in the areas around the greens. I mean, it really doesn't play that much different from any really good country club in the you know in the Chicagoland area. You brought up the 2010 PGA Championship. Dustin Johnson went five and zero during the Ryder Cup this year. You said that course is just perfect for him. Yeah, I mean, it it, it absolutely plays into his favor. He drives it straight, drives it well, um, has full control of his golf ball, drives it long enough to uh, cut off some of the the spots where where length is needed, um, not quite to Bryson's level, but you know there are some spots that uh, definitely he could take advantage of. He, you know, he, he plays a, a, a high golf ball. He's able to to bring it into the greens nice and high, uh, which is needed out there, and and drives it incredibly straight. I mean, just just pures it as good as anybody. I mean, John Rahm and Dustin Johnson played. I feel bad for you if you didn't see it because they played some of the best golf. I've ever seen for three days. I would say the first two hours of the Ryder Cup on Friday were some of the best golf I've ever seen. I mean, it was absolutely incredible golf. And that was a great part was there really weren't any slouches. Uh, I mean, McElroy didn't play amazing, but there really wasn't anybody that just laid down. Even Poulter, who was you know getting getting a real hard time from everybody, he played great in singles. He played great uh, Saturday afternoon to try and uh, scrape out some points. I mean, he played really good the second half of the the event. How do you feel for uh, about Sergio Garcia having to deal with someone who I admittedly haven't been nice to on the program here, Bryson DeChambeau? He did. He smashed his tee shot. It was 373 yards, opening hole, onto the green. He puts in from, what, 40 feet for an eagle? How are you feeling if you're Sergio Garcia at that point? I mean, you had to expect that because one and ten are both downwind. They're about three hundred sixty-five yards. You had to kind of expect it. it. If you're a seasoned veteran like Sergio, you're you're just gonna laugh it off and no big deal. 
because Sergio's got him beat in so many other categories. And that's kind of, I guess that's kind of how golf is, you know, too. I mean, there's, there's certain things that, that guys do better than I do, for instance, you know, when we're, when I'm playing against them. So I don't think it phases them too much. It definitely has to have an effect when you have that shot on the first hole with 20,000 fans around that hole. Uh, definitely has to, to change the momentum uh, argument a little bit. And then just roll in the putt. I mean, that's just that's storybook stuff. Just the explosion from the crowd. He's off the tee box, and he grabs his putter and just holds it up in the air. <laughs> no one else gets to do that. And they even asked him, like, hey, Bryson, how's it feel to hit a 400-yard drive? How's it feel? <laughs> the best best part with Bryson was, uh, I think it's six or seven, the reachable par four on the front. And he pulls out driver, and, he goes, and he's like, eh, you know, he's debating with his caddy. He pulls out three wood, and everyone starts to moan, and he goes, relax, I'm still going for the green. <laughs> so uh, it, it's cool that, that guys, you know, obviously take it extremely serious, but you know, don't lose sight of the fact that it's a game, that it's entertainment, and, and they're they're literally just a bunch of show ponies for that week. One guy that continues to impress me is Colin Morikawa. He's just 24 years old. He's won a couple of majors, and he goes out there and gets it done. There's nothing flashy either. I mean, he just stripes it. The, the shot he hit on the shot he hit on 17 uh, was, was amazing to, to four feet or four or five feet when he needed it. I mean, he hit so many good shots. He, I would say him. Him and John Rahm, as far as ball striking goes, impressed me the most. Seems like DJ made more long putts than I've ever seen him make uh, before. And then um, just such good golf, man, such good golf. But, yeah, Colin Morikawa, I don't know. I don't know if there's something to, you know, they, they made a big deal about, about the youth movement. I think the fact that they're playing a golf course that they're really comfortable with was as important as anything. And with these guys' world rankings – there's a reason why they're so highly ranked, right? It's because they're able to handle any pressure at any time in any way. Uh, not that they don't feel it, but they know how to handle it and they know how to take care of take care of business. So when you have that many horses, you know, Steve Stricker said it best. I'm just my job is to make them as comfortable as possible and get out of the way. He goes if if on Tuesday he said during the practice rounds on Tuesday it was starting to drizzle and stuff like that. He's like, you guys want to go home and take a nap? Take a nap. I don't care. Whatever you want to do. Whatever, whatever you need to do to relax, to, to be ready to go, that's on you. He said that he really didn't want to change too many people's practice routines. He included the caddies, which I thought was kind of cool. He included the caddies in everything they did because the players are always including the caddies in everything that they do week to week. So um, of what a coach can actually affect the team or a captain can affect the team, I think Steve Stricker did a good job. I think that's one of the things I really did enjoy was all just the pure emotion, the good, the bad. You had him shotgunning beers, uh, you know, on the golf course. That was fun. And then we talked about Rory a little bit. He breaks down in tears. He says this is the best golf event. They just came off the Olympics, and they're seeing this, and it's just like this is hands down the best thing. It means so much. Golf is such an individual game, and you know this from your playing days and all of your experience, that this tournament really is – using the master term, unlike any other. Yeah, you <clears throat> you never play in a, a dynamic like that, ever. Even, well, I mean, it dates all the way back to college, so some of these guys you know, might be nostalgic for for their college days, but to actually play in something that's that's gotten to this point where it's so big that it's so much bigger than what you are uh, as an individual has to be 
has to be the weirdest feeling, and, and that almost creates more emotion in the event, if that if that makes sense. I, I can't even – I couldn't even duplicate that or understand um, how that's duplicated in any other way, shape, matter, or form. And if you want to know how magical this event really is, you got Bryson and Brooks to hug multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they prompted that at the end of the press conference, too. I thought that was pretty funny, and then – one of the uh, one of the reporters actually yelled Brooksy, which was awesome. <laughs> I did hear that. <laughs> Daniel Berger almost spit his drink out. He's taking a drink as he said it, and he just he just died laughing. It, it was it was good to see too. Just just their relaxed side. I like press conferences where the guys looked a little messed up, <laughs> where they looked a little drunk, and they're they're having fun as a team together. That's actually some of the things that they're going to pull on next time. You know when they're when they're coming down the stretch of the of the Ryder Cup, the feeling of that, the elation, the you know, the satisfaction and all the steps that and all the hard work that went into all that, I think is gonna be very meaningful the next time it comes around Ryder Cup. And yeah, I I don't know. I think it's gosh, when was the last time that the US has won on foreign soil? That's that's a question right there. It's been a while. We'd have to check the uh the old book here, but I really enjoyed Steve Stricker after. It has to be really cool for him being in Wisconsin and him saying, you know, I don't have a major, but this is my major, and in tears and choking up on the stage up there. Yeah, I, again, I, I can't grasp how the, how that could be the case just <laughs> because golf is such an individual game. Um, but, I mean, the only thing I could, like, draw upon is, I, you know, playing baseball growing up and doing special things in a, in a group like that or, uh, you know, we didn't have a very good college team, so I can't really draw on that. <laughs> but, you know, the the team element, the team environment, being able to share that with, with somebody else, uh, it's got to be it's it's got to be a special, absolutely special feeling. Where does the U.S. go from here looking ahead to 2023 in Italy? Um, I, th- I think you keep a lot of the same horses, obviously, but uh, – Scary to say, I think this team actually could have been better if you had Kevin Kisner on this team. Like, you know, you talk about – let's get in the weeds a little bit. You talk about that golf course. Those are some of the most perfect bent grass greens on planet Earth or, or, or up there in Wisconsin. You know, in the little cooler climates, get really nice bent grass greens. How do you leave Kevin Na off that team? How do you leave Kisner off that team? Two of some of the best clutch putters, especially in match play. Those guys have gotten deep in match play the last few years, which is amazing. Uh, how do you how do you leave those guys off uh, of the team? I probably wouldn't have taken Daniel Berger if it was if it was my choice. I probably wouldn't have taken Harris English. I probably would have subbed those two guys in. But who am I to know? I mean, probably I would say probably Harris English probably played the weakest of the Americans. Still played all right, but probably played the weakest, yep. and followed by Berger. Um, so those those picks could be scrutinized, but. The core of that team, you know, hopefully Spieth continues on his run. I, I think I think he's he's here to stay for a while. He's kind of figured it out, even though he's in that rut, you know. So it's Spieth, Thomas, uh, Morikawa, Johnson, Kepka, um, so on and so on and so on. It just doesn't doesn't get any better than that. I mean, you keep those eight together, seven or eight together, and then just fill in the gaps. I mean, but we said that about the Cubs, didn't we? We did. We we thought that in 2017, Cubs just need you know just keep filling in those <laughs> gaps and they'd be 
keep winning forever. But um, yeah, I, I think those guys, those guys are hungry enough too to just keep keep going. You know, Patrick Cantley, good example. You know, he's kind of coming to his own. Does he does he stay uh, for a while as as kind of one of those stalwarts? You know, who, who knows? And Spieth did have a nice quote there at the end. He said, "If we play like we did this week, the score will look the same over there." And wait, our producer is uh, sending some information over to us right now. Uh, actually, the U.S., they won in 1993 in the 30th Ryder Cup, and it was in England, and that was a Tom Watson captain team. Wow. <laughs> That's a long time ago. I was eight, so I don't have a lot of knowledge of that one, but uh, I can assure you that's where we're at, unless uh producer so, missed something. Is it like K-Club or Belfry? It was Belfry. Man, that is a long time. In Warwickshire. Jeez. Yeah, so clearly uh, clearly the home team matters. Yeah, Europe had a string of three in a row uh, from 2002, 4, and 6, and then 10, 12, 14. So they had won. They were going for their eighth out of 10. So I've got a little something, full disclosure. One of my good friends, 2002, we're watching the Ryder Cup, and... I basically just say I don't think the year I don't I don't think the U.S. is ever going to win this. They they got smoked um, that year. I'm like I just don't think the U.S. is ever going to win this thing. And he goes, "You want to put your money where your mouth is?" I said, "Absolutely, hundred percent." So, and I don't root against the United States. I'm throwing it out there right now. But I have a standing hundred dollar bet where I take Europe and my buddy takes the United States, and I've come out very fortunate. Uh, since 2002. <laughs> well, it's funny because I pretty much took United States in everything this year, and I came out pretty good. That is pretty good. You should consider it now, seeing the trend going the other direction. Well, you know, I feel so bad taking so much of his money that I should probably pay him back over the next couple of years, so I'd like nothing more than to than to lose. It's like it's kind of like, uh, you know, when you bet bet with your heart, but then bet with your head in the same bet. So you bet with the Bears and against the Bears at the same time. It's the challenge I see now is I have people in my fantasy matchups for football and then there's bets with them and they actually are on the other team that I'm facing in fantasy <laughs> and I'm running into the same problem of desires clashing uh, and then affecting the money output. So I get it. I'll make a bold prediction though. I bet John Rahm is number one player in the world by the next time the Ryder Cup comes around. John Rahm is so good. Not even I don't want to say you're going <laughs> out on a limb even, there. That's not even bold. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's ridiculous. I mean, he's absolutely ridiculous. He played head and shoulders better than everybody else. To just put Sergio on your back like that. He had uh what did he what do you have almost 60% of their points <laughs> through the first 2 days? I mean, it was un- unbelievable. And and you could kind of with a guy like that the the nice thing about having a guy like John Rahm is the fact you can almost put anybody with him. Anybody's going to compliment him in any way. You know, you're still putting out some of the best players in the world in these in this event. So you got a guy like John Rahm behind you. He's like a warm blanket on a cold night. You can hit any shot you want. You know why? Because you got John Rahm. He's going to be great in best ball. He's going to be great in alternate shot. Doesn't matter. You can hit it wherever you want. And so a guy like Sergio Garcia, who has had some weaknesses over the year, putting things like that, but stripes it. He is the original Stripe Show, the absolute <laughs> original Stripe Show, the original gangster. That dude flat out hits it so good 
And when you got John Rahm behind you, that is a tough team to beat. I think that's easily the best team of the Ryder Cup. Even you know better, what? Even better. I would take them head to head if they would have played Dustin Johnson and Morikawa. Also bold. Uh, yes. I think one overriding theme of this whole thing as we wrap it up is golf continues to be in a really good place. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Event-wise, player-wise, everything. Such an exciting Ryder Cup, and Tiger was mentioned a few times, but I thought that was cool, too. Did you hear that about the players? Actually, some of the players went and visited Tiger, hung out with Tiger. Tiger was uh, on conference calls with the coaches each of the night, or captains, assistant captains. I keep saying coaches, captains. Um, I thought that was really cool that was he was still involved. I, I, I think we're in a, a great spot, and especially when – when he does come back eventually, which I've actually heard could possibly be the Masters. I don't want to float that out there, which would be insane. But, uh, yeah, golf's in an incredible spot, not only locally, right, but but also just nationally and internationally. I think golf's, golf's uh, here to stay. It's in, it's in a great spot with great players, a lot of young talent. I just don't see it going anywhere. Nice way to wrap it up. Ryder Cup 2023, a little delay on it, but – I'm already looking forward to it, Andy. Can't wait. Get in the car. Right at us. The best in the business, Roger Cleveland. Can't wait to get back to Chicago in this one. This is Party of Four, a Mistwood Golf Club podcast.